Let us join in prayer. Almighty God, as we have heard your scripture read and your word proclaimed, may your spirit open our hearts and minds so that we may hear what you lay on our hearts this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts and minds be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. The second reading for today comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 46, if you'd like to follow along. Let us listen now to God's holy word. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. There's a story about a Jewish uh, sage or a scholar, a philosopher, a teacher, uh, by the name of Hillel the Elder, who once encountered a Gentile who wanted to convert. Uh, but there was a catch, that this Gentile was willing to convert as long as Hillel could explain the whole of the Torah to them while this potential convert stood on one foot. <laughs> it was then that Hillel gently tells this prospective convert similar words that we hear today. Whatever is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole of the Torah. The rest is the explanation. Go and learn. As we look at the entirety of the Word of God, if we were to peel back the layers, the teachings of Jesus, we would discover the theme of love as being core to the Gospel. And everything else is an explanation. But these days it feels as though we have drifted away. It feels as though we have departed from the heart of what makes up the life way of God, and instead substituted the command to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves with distorted truth that emphasizes love of self, love of self-righteousness. 
One of the complaints I often hear, whether it be even people of my generation and older, is how there are people these days who just don't seem to have a sense of respect. They don't seem to do things the way they used to do in terms of how they treat one another. But the truth is that we too have not set a good example for each other or for the next generation regarding how we love our neighbor. It seems people feel too entitled these days to call staff or politicians or bureaucrats they don't like and threaten them. We hear about ongoing racial, religious discrimination such as the horrible death of Wadia in Illinois, a six-year-old boy who was stabbed to death simply because of his religion. And with the ongoing conflict in Palestine and Israel, we see this rise across the board, not just of fear and mistreatment of our Muslim brothers and sisters, but also acts of that are anti-Semitic in nature. I don't think we can trust those who lead us that they will teach us how to love our neighbor as ourselves, let alone love God. We cannot turn to economic systems that view love of neighbor or view neighbors themselves as a commodity or as a favor that can be traded in order for us to move up the social lap. That, friends, is where Jesus enters the picture. That is where Jesus, who is so often painted at being at odds with the religious leaders of his days, demonstrates that the teaching of loving one another can transcend even the deepest divides. Jesus continues to overturn our expectations, overturn our preconceived notions and biases to show us a new way forward. Because for all the times we attempt to limit the scope of our love, Jesus comes into the picture to expand our ability to love. Or at the very least, Jesus is going to make sure that he pokes us enough, prods us enough, so that we might turn in the direction we need to go in order to embrace our neighbor's love. Jesus understands that life can be difficult. Jesus wants us to realize that life is more prosperous not when we have the most material goods or have won the most lights, but when we live together, when we embrace the image of God in one another, in ourselves and in our neighbors. It takes an act of love to inspire love, to be love, to live as love made incarnate by Jesus Christ. We should make loving our neighbor a priority. For that is a piece, or at the very least, a vital component of the good news of the gospel. And if we love more, and if we believe in that love God has shown us and calls us to show, we will embody it more sincerely and authentically. Lord knows that we need to exercise love 
now more than ever. And isn't that what we are called to embody as the people of God? People who are not bound by earthly loyalties, but are instead bound to a sacred calling of living in the kingdom, in the community of God. Friends, how will you love your neighbor today? How will you love your neighbor tomorrow? How will you love your neighbor the day after tomorrow? How will you love your neighbor in such a way that each time you love, you honor the spark of the Creator that exists within them? For we need one another. If we are to thrive in this thing we call life, let alone faith, as well. It's not something that can be done alone or done with an attitude that detracts, not adds, to the kingdom of God. And if you aren't sure how to love your neighbor, sometimes it is just showing solidarity or that you are there simply to be a presence of love and compassion. During my previous call as a pastor, I received news one day. Uh, our church was very close, uh, close in ministry and close in partnership with the local synagogue. And I received news one day that a white supremacist group had vandalized uh, the local uh, synagogue's menorah. After hearing what happened, we worked not just with our church, but with others to organize an interfaith gathering in one of the local parks to stand in solidarity with our Jewish siblings. It was a moment that sticks with me because we didn't have the answers, all the answers. We didn't have an answer to solve centuries of anti-Semitism or eradicate ignorance or hate that could drive people to do such vile acts. But we did have the power to stand with our neighbors in love and to be with them. I mention this instance because it is essential for us as we hear in the world today for us to stand with our neighbors, especially with our neighbors who are vulnerable because of their race or their gender or religion. And the work of loving our neighbor never ceases, nor should their love for us cease. I say that it is ongoing work because sadly, only just recently, I heard that once again there was an incident in this same area where I came from where faculty found a swastika carved into one of the school's tennis courts. Just a year almost after our first vigil. Jesus' reminder to love our neighbor and subsequent conversation with the religious leaders who gathered around him reminds us that we are only people. That we are people who in many ways have our own struggles. Who among us has not required the love or help of a neighbor? Who among us has not made a mistake that required grace and forgiveness from a neighbor? Jesus embodies for us, reminds us of a standard of living on how we conduct ourselves in a complex world, while still having the capacity to love and converse even with those whom we might not see eye to eye. 
One of my favorite theologians, a theologian from South America, Gustavo Gutierrez, once wrote that the neighbor, as has been said, is not the one whom I find in my path, but rather the one in whose path I place myself, the one whom I approach and actively seek. We find in Scripture that Jesus sought out neighbors of all sorts. Jesus sought out neighbors that included prostitutes, tax collectors, Roman soldiers, religious leaders, people who in those days did not think were good neighbors. But they were all neighbors to Jesus. Perhaps the lesson for us today is the reminder that our definition of neighbor is constantly growing. And maybe we must expand our heart's capacity to love, as Jesus has demonstrated to us. In a cultural climate rife with division, fear, hatred of the other, this is our time to live as Jesus would have us live, following in the footsteps of the teachings and prophets who came before us. We can love our neighbor as ourselves. We can love God as God loves us, and we can do this if we take seriously the transformative calling of our faith. Love changes us. Love will change us. And that's a promise made by Jesus. Our hearts may be hardened, or they may be struggling right now, but they will be presented with the opportunity to be reformed, to be renewed, if we ask God for help and trust that the kingdom of God can hold all our worries, can hold all our fears, can hold all our uncertainty, can hold all these things as we hand them over to God and receive the life-giving power God's love. Perhaps Hillel the Elder put it best as well for a reminder that whatever is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole of the Torah. The rest is explanation. Go and learn. So, friends, let us go. Let us learn. Let us never stop learning about our neighbors, about ourselves, about this relationship we have with our Creator. May it be so now and